There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes. Yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Gangster Pete and I are recording on August 11th, 2020. Hello, Gangster Pete. What's up? Uh, Gangster Pete and I are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, and we ask you to support our sponsors, the HomeLoanExpert.com, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency online at carltoninsurance.net. Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. And Restoration One, Jim Rogers, Restoration One of centralstlouis.com. They all make this thing possible, and we are incredibly grateful for their support. And I'll tell you this, uh, I heard Ryan Kelly on with us on TMA last week, I guess, talking about interest rates in the twos. The twos lock in, capitalize on it, refinance and get an interest rate in the twos. It sounds like a parody, but that's what it is. The HomeLoanExpert.com, the sponsor of our studios. And if you're buying a home, you can lock in and you can be pre-approved and you are in a great position. Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert online at the HomeLoanExpert.com. Gangster Pete, we have a smorgasbord of questions this week from our wonderful, wonderful uh, listeners. And we also have something that we did talk about at the tail end of TMA that was in the questions from the audience uh, thread on the fan page on uh, Facebook. It's the TMA fan page on Facebook. And this was Cletus asking about a sandbagging <laughs> accusation. So, and, it, and he was saying Iggy knew about it. I didn't know about it. Iggy then turns out he didn't know about it. You obviously didn't know about it, but it was in the questions from the audience thread. So from the people who are tuning in to hear us talk about it, I want to address, I, I don't, I don't really know, but I guess the Florida flower was accused of being a sandbagger and now is not participating in a tournament because of it. That's essentially the summary I gather. Right. And I have no idea what tournament they're referring to because the Florida flower has been eliminated from all tournaments. That's my understanding. Yes. So I don't know. Um, I did say this. And this is this is like a this is a combination of the people participating in in the event, and also the event itself. Observation, and you're a golfer, and you participated. That's right. So I'm curious what you think about this. Number one, like if I'm to be like a hundred percent serious, I just don't think you have somebody who is by definition a sandbagger, like a real sandbagger, <laughs> entering the fan page club championship to navigate six rounds of a, you know, one-on-one match play tournament to win $800. I'm not dismissing $800. I enjoy, I, who wouldn't enjoy $800? But it's not going to change anyone's life to the point where they can do this or do that from like a home owning, you know what I mean? Like, like it's, the juice isn't worth the squeeze on that, my opinion. Uh, and then secondarily, with regard to the golf tournament itself, we're playing the ball... <laughs> from the white tees and we're playing the ball up. And so what that does is up everywhere. You hit it in the rough, you're still playing it up. Uh, what that does is somebody who would normally shoot in the, let's call it a 90 from the blue tees and playing the ball down 
is going to have a lower score, God, wouldn't you think eight out of ten rounds with oh, playing yeah. the white tees and playing and being able to play the ball up in the rough? Likely ten out of ten. Yeah, and, and so I'm just giving myself some room. So the overall premise is this: people are going to shoot lower in this event than they would shoot in a an event or not an, an event, just going out and playing because the rules are created to make it easier for people who aren't necessarily like you know a, a scratch golfer to be able to navigate it to make it more fun exactly because it's a fun event right it's a, it's you know everybody has a common bond that they're associated with or that they listen to tma and um you know i i don't know if i i said it on the radio today that the guy i played in the second round zebra 69 trent crenshaw and it became kind of show fodder that he initially said he was a 14. Then he started tracking his handicap on the Grint app, which is different than the Gin app. And the Holly Hills hustler texted in that he was an eight, uh, not a 14. And so then when Trent Crenshaw, Zebra 69, shows up to play me, and I'm prepared to give him at the time I was an eight, six strokes, he goes, no, nope, I'm an eight. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take strokes from you. I'm like, well, I by definition owe you six strokes. I'm not gonna take strokes. I'm like, all right, fair enough. Had I had to give him six strokes, I'm virtually certain I lose. Six strokes matters, man, which is why I'm, I've said throughout, I just don't see a single digit winning because double digits are able to play, not necessarily like single digits, but at a lower score than they normally would because of the circumstances. But again, this is not the Metro Amateur. This is not a U.S. <laughs> Open qualifier. It's average to really bad maybe a couple of good golfers screwing off at a great golf course, which is operated by a friend of the show, sometimes co-host of the show and Jennings Randolph Jr. And we're grateful that Jay and Sean Barnes and uh, Jeff Smith and everybody associated with Gateway for hosting the thing. It's been super fun. And it winds up just being like us screwing off about it. I just deep down just do not believe that there is by definition, the sandbagger. Now what, People think of a sandbagger and what a sandbagger is like somebody who enters a tournament with a fake handicap and then like wins thousands of dollars. Like what happens <laughs> in member guests. Right. I just don't think, cause again, member guests, it's like a one or two day thing and it could just be a drive by and you go, holy shit, this guy said he was a 15 and he shot two under, you know, this, this is over six months or not six months, six matches. And I think Jay's adjusting the handicaps. Like I was an eight in my match against zebra 69 and I was a five in my match against Curtis Hall. Um, and yeah, against Zebra 69, I shot a 78. He shot an 81. Again, scores and match play are different because you pick it up or you just go, okay, I'm out of the hole, pick it up, however you want to handle it. Um, but I shot a 75 against Curtis. He shot a 78. I was giving him four pops. Now, again, that's, that's four holes, not four strokes, but that's kind of the way that, that it works. And that's, you know, so I don't, so Cletus wrote this long thing. He really wanted me to talk about it. I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> Because I just, I, I didn't see the thread. All I, I know Cletus and I know he's a great guy. I don't know the Florida flower as well, but I know him and he's a great guy. Couldn't be like a nicer human being. And there's a personality trait a sandbagger has. And that's just not what's going on there. Gangster Pete, I know you participated. You jokingly right. were making an observation <laughs> against the gentleman who beat you. Uh, but when it gets down to it, what are your thoughts? I think that there might be a, a group of people that take the fan page and this particular tournament a little more seriously than necessary. I think it's supposed to be a fun event. Uh, I know Cletus. I know Flower. They are both great guys. Uh, 
for me to get this worked up over the fan page club championship is a little silly. Uh, I think that it's fun to, you know, like bust balls a little bit. That's what guys do. Right. And uh, I just don't think it should be taken as seriously as it's being taken, like, taken right now. I had, I mean, just like one of the best days in the match I lost, actually. <laughs> but yeah. but it was just so fun because it was a perfect day. We're talking, I think it was like August 8th or something like that. And it's like 80 degrees. There isn't any humidity. I mean, what are the chances of that? It's Mark Milton's birthday. He has a tea time. So I'm like, oh, I'll be able to play my match. I didn't think I was be able to play it. Uh, the gentleman I played, Curtis, was available uh, on very short notice. Iggy was available to caddy, so Iggy was out there. Uh, one of Mark's friends is out there. And I'm just like, okay, I'm getting my ass handed to me. I figured I would lose anyway, but I'm getting my ass handed to me. I didn't expect that. So I'm like, okay, I just want to bet because that's what I, how I'm used to playing golf. I mean, when we've played. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. Way more fun. Yeah. And and Curtis is like, ah, I don't really want to bet. And I said, okay, Mark, this is awkward since you're a sponsor, but I want to <laughs> bet. <laughs> And he's like, fine, I'll bet. And I'm like, all right. And he goes, what do you want to do? And I go, well, here's a game that we play. And this is, it gets kind of out of control. And he goes, I don't follow that at all. Let's do $10 skins. And I'm like, okay, fine. And he goes, what, you want more? And I go, absolutely. He goes, I get my strokes. And I go, yeah, absolutely. You're, I'm a five, you're an 18, you're getting 13 pops. That's how Milty and I did it when we played. Yeah. Yeah, you probably had to give him some pops, gave didn't him you? some pops, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it wound up being super fun. And then he fucking, we had carryovers for the first three holes. I'm trying to get in his head and I can't like usually, and you can't to his credit, by the way, I bet I couldn't get in your head. I bet you'd be like, I, you'd be like a brick wall. Yeah. Uh, it, it all comes down to whether I'm swinging it well or not. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. But you don't, you don't use those tactics. If the person's a mess, you don't, fuck oh, with no, you let no, them, you know, like, you let them fuck themselves into a, a hole. But Milty, I'm like, okay, you know, uh, number, what is it, 12, the little, like, 100-yard par three with water yep. on the left and oh, short. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Hole. And so I'm walking up to the tee box, and now I'm going to go. Now I'm going to start going because I just hit, like, a 30-foot birdie, and I still didn't win the hole because I have to give him a pop on 11. And I said, oh, boy, holes are going to get tight here. Cause I'm like, I'm <laughs> sure, like, if I could bet 100 bucks that he's going to hit it into the water, I would, or go long into the shit. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, my God. Now it wasn't a he didn't stick it close to the pin, but he was on the green. And I'm like, son of a bitch. This guy, can't, I can't get him. And we both part it. And now I'm, I got to give him a pipe on that par five, which I can't get to in two. And so, you know, unless he bogeys it and I par it, I'm going to lose this thing. Or I guess he could double it. Uh, or I guess I could birdie it. But, I mean, I'm in trouble. And sure enough, we both part. And I lose 80 fucking dollars right there. I'm like, God bless America. Now there's only five holes left. And I'm fighting for my life. But it was fun. Because there was some action, and that's what I like. And the conversation was good. It was a beautiful day. What else could you ask for? It's the best. And Iggy's out there, and he's fun and amusing. And Curtis is a good guy. I, the, Mark's friend Joe's good guy. Mark's a great guy. It was a fun day. But, you know, my understanding was in one of the matches, there was a guy who was throwing clubs. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the guy that beat me in the first round. Oh, is that right? I didn't that's, think that was true, but maybe that's possible. I don't know. I don't, like I said, I don't know all the players. But like, if somebody is see, I don't know. I don't know. So Cletus wrote like three monster posts, and then he texted me, he wanted me to talk about it. I'm like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he posted something at two in the morning to follow up. So I like to try to get to these questions when they're in the thread, but I don't know how to answer this one. Um, I don't know. I would tell Cletus to relax. <laughs> the flower's a great guy. Nobody. But he withdrew from the tournament. But nobody's already really, eliminated from the yeah, tournament. Yeah, but nobody really thinks the flower is sandbagging. I'll tell you that. So rest easy tonight, <laughs> Big Cletus. There you go. Uh, all right. 
Why are there not more references to the phone slash text line being cuck talk? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah. And, and I guess when you look at it, it should be cuck talk because CUB works just as well as CUC when you're looking at your pad, uh, your uh, pad dial a phone. What the hell do you even call it now? Because <laughs> I got I, I call it my iPhone. But what did you call it back in the day? What do you call this thing? Like your phone. Key, keypad. Keypad. Yeah, we'll call it that. Yeah, so the C is on the two, just like the B is on the two. So, um, yes, we'll call it cock talk going forward. Adam, thank you for the observation. Uh, who has the strongest beard on the PGA Tour? The smoke shows I see from week to week are unreal. Uh, that is from Chuck on the fan page. So when I initially read that, I'm like, okay, I, I took it literally. Oh, like he means beard. wife. Yeah, he means wife or girlfriend. I mean, I I would go with uh, Morikawa and DJ. Yeah, D- Dustin Johnson is actually the answer. That, that's the answer. That is the answer. I mean, what else is going to be? You should check out Catherine Z's uh, no, I, ins- Insty. Oh, is she like? She's a babe. Well, I know she's attractive, but does she go Paulina? She's, I can't imagine. No, I mean, she's not as sexy as Paulina. Didn't she go to Pepperdine and play golf? I mean, that's probably not the makeup for somebody who's going to go. She's got some bikini pics on there. Really? Mm-hmm. That's kind of an upset. No. no. Um, I, yeah, I saw her with... Uh, Morikawa after uh, he won. I'm like, oh, she's she's legit. Well, my boys are all like, uh, you think Paulina's going to be there? I'm like, I know she's in San Francisco, but you but guys are forgetting how show up. You guys are forgetting how cold it is. She's not going to be dressed like she was. Right, it's a good point. In previous tournaments. Very good point. Yeah, she popped out of the SUV and <laughs> bummed tank. everybody up. Yeah, she kind of was like, oh, I'm sorry, and he was like, oh. mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think. I mean, people would say Jenna Sims. I'm sure Kepka's girl. I'm just trying to go through. Oh, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky's. Oh, yeah, Ricky's. Allison. Nice. Yes, that's a good one. Um, are we missing? I, I, are we missing an obvious? And I'm, Duffner's I feel bad. old gal. Who? Duffner's old gal. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was good. I think he's doing well again. Oh, I'm sure he's He must be hung good. like a Spanish fighting bull or something. I think he's just a cool guy. I think that, yeah. Uh, you know, a friend of the program, Wellington. Mm-hmm. D. Smith. That's right. Uh, and he, was he in your class? Uh, he's a couple years older. When he was, you know, he lives down in Jupiter for part of the year, and um, it's a road called Indian Town Road, which is kind of the main exit for Jupiter, which is just north of Roger Dean Stadium, where the Cardinals are, Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium now. Uh, and he said, he goes, I was like at a Walmart or a Target at like 11 o'clock at night, and I needed to get something really quick. And I can't remember who he said it was, because it wouldn't strike me as Fowler wouldn't be one of them, but Duffner definitely was one of the guys and they were just like, who knows what they were, you know, but they were having a nice evening right. and screwing off in the aisles at Target <laughs> at like 11 at night. And my understanding of, and I'm not, this isn't naming anybody specifically, but uh, from, you know, spending some time down there and getting to know some people who, you know, I mean, there aren't, it's not like there's a billion young people there, although it's younger than people would assume, especially in that part of Florida, um, that these guys they're so good they're so good that they can get fucked up and still show up for a tea time in in like four hours i always think about that and go and so that like they just they just they i'm not talking about like rage like going to clubs because jupiter is a hell of a lot quieter than you know 90 minutes to the south going to miami or even an hour to the south in lauderdale but like their own little private worlds and they just get after it, and then they show up, and then they fire these ridiculous scores. I always think about that, because anytime I stay up too late the night before one of my rounds... Oh, it's a mess. I, I play terribly. It's a mess. It's a mess. I played, you know, 
playing in as many, and I'm, I'm playing many tournaments, but playing as often as I'm playing now, way more than I was. You know, I, I like, it's just fun to just be able to compete, even if it means, I mean, you're playing in like the, like the club championship stuff and even these amateur tournaments. Uh, I was talking to somebody who played the Metro Amateur this weekend. We, a couple of guys who played in that are, are fan page guys. Skip's right. obviously one of yep. them. And the guy who uh, was leading by eight strokes. Yeah, I saw Jay's post about that. Oh, he posted about it? Yeah. Chris Kovach, I yeah, think is his name? said he was a fan page guy. Yeah, was leading by eight strokes. Uh, you know, you get, you get used to it. And then I guess, and I guess maybe that's why the fan page club championship, because this is like the only time that, you know, a 20 handicap or even a 10 handicap gets a chance to play, you know, competitive golf. If it's not a member guest or member member, and obviously, you know, you have to be playing in those things in order to, so I hadn't experienced that stuff until recently and it's fun. It's just a fun thing. Can you personally excel under pressure? Which is why when I shot a 33 last week on the back nine, I was fucking <laughs> so psyched. Hell it was yeah. like a high. Uh, even though I lost my match and I lost money to Mark Milton and I shot a 33, it's like, but what else can you do? It's like, I think I told you about that uh, a few weeks ago where in the Westboro thing, I shot a 74 or so. And at that time, that's about as low as I could go. And I lost, but I'm like, fuck, I shot a 74. If I lose or if I win, even I shot a 92 in my first round match and I'm just like, I won, but holy shit, what the fuck happened to me? You know, that's, that's that. So it's like a personal thing because you can't control the person you're playing or you can't control like the other teams and a member guest or member member. Plus you could legitimately have sandbagging going there. Cause you're talking about thousands of dollars there. Yeah. They can bet on their own team. Yeah, so exactly. So that's, that gets into a different world there than like a 64 man tournament where first place is $800. So with all that said, um, about a month and a half ago, I couldn't have been more hungover and I don't, I rarely am in that spot. And I, uh, and I just, I wanted to forfeit and I told him, don't worry about it. He's like, no, man, I want to play. And I'm just like, Ugh. and I was like pissed at him for like, okay, fine, we'll do it. And it's just the worst. I can't do that. I can't do it. I don't think I could have done it 10 years ago, even much less now. I can't do it, but that's apparently the game for these guys. And because that is the game, they're out, they have ridiculous money. And if you are an attractive female in South Florida and you find out that, in most cases, Duffner would be an exception, but in most cases, a guy in his 20s, 30s, 40s is single uh, and on the PGA Tour, and he's usually going to be in shape. Again, Duffner is, <laughs> is you know has a unique physique, but uh, but he you know might have this likable personality, maybe hung like a Spanish fighting bull, as I said earlier, and I mean that's going to be attractive, and so that is why you have you know the caliber of the uh, the f friends and family gallery that you have at PGA Tour events. Cleat chasers. Absolutely. And it's apparently, like, it's a big thing. Like, oh, yeah. I wasn't aware of it. But now that golf's kind of gotten this younger audience over the last couple of years because of the younger players, and then you have no laying up and foreplay and all that, the podcast. It's made it kind of cool. Yes, exactly. And so I think you're going to have more and more of it. Um, you know, and like Skip was saying, Skip Berkmeyer, I mean, he's played so many U.S. amateurs, and they played at Piners last year. And he's just like, and I think he said this, he might have been in here talking about it, and you would have been running the board for it, Pete, where he's just like, I mean, I can play, but I can't I can't do what these guys can do because they're in their early, mid-20s, and they're hitting at 320, and I'm hitting at 280, which me and you would I'd be very it. happy to have, and he's not missing fairways. But, you know, that 40 yards distance is how many differences of a club two or three, you know, 
So there's a difference between a guy hitting a, a wedge in and a guy having to hit a seven in. And so, you know, there's going to be more accuracy on the former. So anyway, it's a younger game, but you still can play and be competitive and you're, you know, forties, fifties, whatever the case might be. So anyway, uh, I think we've named them. Maybe somebody's going to email me and say, you guys forgot about so-and-so. And I have a feeling that's going to happen. But I feel like when you say Paulina, Jenna Sims, Allison Stokey, and we, you have one. Oh, Duffner. Catherine Zhu. Yes. Uh, you check out her Insta. I think you'll agree. I am, and I have to, I, that's kind of a surprising thing. I would have thought she would be in the understated category. I would have too. I was very pleasantly please, surprised. Please, please. All right. Uh, so, but a lovely question by Chuck. Um, now, how about this one? This is going to be interesting here. Gangster Pete, I'm going to, as a, as a gentleman, say we'll, we'll try to navigate this best. It's from Timmy Recaps. He, answer, he asks wonderful questions for questions from the audience. This is on the fan page thread. What's the most frequent? Well, I'm not cautioning you, and then now it makes it sound like tread lightly here. <laughs> That's not what it is. That's the second question. Um, but I remember reading it yesterday and going, oh, this will be interesting. Number one, what's the most frequent and or biggest professional disagreement between you and Gangster Pete? You're welcome to shit on me here. That's fine. It's the second question that that I'm going to tell you to tread uh, lightly for your sake. I don't know. I'm anxious to hear your answer on this. Our biggest professional disagreement? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's been any, like, knockdown, dragout fights over anything. But, uh, I mean, probably just the one thing is I think we could do the radio station without a radio station. And you uh, disagree. Uh, philosophically. Yeah. It's interesting. In in my um, partners, so to speak, investor investors, um, it's like a, it's like a dividing line. Also, right. that same thing is there. It's interesting. The but people who are more tied to radio in that group are more on my, and it's not even a side. It's a, it's almost a bet because one so to, to reiterate what Pete said, to be clear, uh, it's a philosophical thing. Um, could we do what we do without a radio station? And of course the answer is Yes. But it's not as simple as that. As, and I know Pete isn't trying to simplify it. So I'll go into the weeds on it because a lot of the questions that I have in my email are, are every week, actually, are regarding something along these lines. And so what I always say about it is if, if you look at TMA and this podcast revenue, um, sound story, uh, inside STL, if you put them all under the umbrella, um, what is the total revenue? If it's only podcast and then having an idea of what the expenses are and the expenses certainly also direct correlation go down, but is the revenue enough without radio to make that work? Um, and it is, I am in the camp of believing the answer is no at this moment, but if it were the route we had to go, I'd be a hundred percent fine with it. It's just, it's not the route we have to go. Furthermore, as I always say, and I feel like now I'm saying every week, I'm under contract. So even if I'm like, yeah, let's do it, I can't do it right now. I'm under contract. Um, so it, it it takes it off the table at this moment. I'm, my contract is up at the end of 2021. Um, so that is when we could seriously look at it. And, and with every passing day, Pete, <laughs> that which you believe right. is the better option becomes closer to a reality. And with every passing day, I think anyway, I certainly hope, I don't know who is listening to this. It doesn't feel this way. We are closer to the end of the pandemic or the pandemic's effects being lesser than they are as of the recording of this August 11th, 2020. So that is a factor um, as well. 
Um, yeah, I guess I, I certainly think that's the case. I don't really know. The cat and I had a knock, knockdown drag out almost three years to the day, actually. And that's really the only time I have been involved in a knockdown drag. So you weren't here for that. And it happened actually right where I'm sitting here in this podcast studio. Um, and, uh, but I mean, me and Doug definitely haven't Martin in 2007 was annoyed beyond belief with how much I was pestering him to bring the band back together. (laughs) What you have to understand at that time was we didn't like, I believed in Doug, but I knew Martin and I know I knew Doug. Hell, I knew Doug probably almost as well as I knew Martin from television, working with him on KMOV. But I was trying to get the group back together and Martin just didn't want to do it or he wanted to do his own thing, um, which was totally cool. And I just remember I was a buddy of mine was playing in the World Series of Poker main event. This is 2007. And um, and we had to stop on our way to Las Vegas in Salt Lake City. And uh, and I remember getting the voicemail and this is pre iPhones. So, you know, you have to like get off the plane and then you get your flip phone signal and then you have a voicemail and it's Martin just like. Tim, I don't know how many times I need to tell you this. I'm not going back and doing the show. I'm flattered that you want me to do it. I just am not going to do it. So please. I'm like, my God, I'm like, all right, that's it. So now if I, at that time I was debating as to what I was going to do next. And then we turned our attention to, uh, Doug or Chris Pelican. That was actually the the situation. We thought the world of Chris Pelican. You know Chris Pelican? Yeah, I remember you guys had like uh, tryouts. Yeah, well, that that was that was that was KFNS doing that. Okay. Uh, yeah, there were like fifteen people they brought in, many of whom me and the cat were like, oh, we'll do it, you know, because we had been lied to and told that whoever did the best in the tryout, we would have a conversation, and then we would all as a group pick. When in reality, they had already hired Bob Fesco out of Kansas City, who I had never met in the cabinet. So, so Pete, this has been going on for you know, years. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was a huge Martin Lemming, so I was really disappointed when he left. Oh, but. I mean, we were devastated. It ruined the Cardinals winning the World Series for me. Yeah. Because he quit uh, right as the Cardinals were about to win the NLCS, which wow. hadn't, well, I guess they had won it two years beforehand, but it certainly wasn't expected in 2006. And then they won the World Series a week later relatively speaking, a nondescript World Series, certainly in comparison to 2011. Um, and uh, and I remember being, I, I truly was, and I'm not saying this lightly, because I know it's a hypersensitive word to use, but I was in a depression from right around that time period, from the Sunday of the, the World Series parade to um, to leaving KFNS in June of 2007. That is, that's not an exaggeration. I mean, listen, I'm sure people deal with infinitely worse depressions, but I was in a depression for those eight months and, uh, it negatively impacted in a major way, my personal life. Um, and it, it certainly was brutal professionally. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's just not, but I mean, even then it was like, Mars like, fuck you. And I was like, fuck you. It was just like, dude, I'm not going back. So stop, stop, please stop calling me. And I know me, I'm, relentless and I'm sure it got annoying as hell. And he had to be like, okay, I got off. I can yell at the guy to get him to stop. Um, producer Joe and I would go, but I think there was always an understanding. First off, they'd be brief. And secondly, I always knew for as bizarre as he is with holding grudges, he, <laughs> he is loyal, but I, I don't, I don't even, I feel like the term loyalty has almost been hijacked lately. Kind of like patriotism and Christianity. Like they're not what they meant 30 years ago. 
Uh, do you know what I mean by that? Do you follow me on that? Is there, yeah, I mean, I, I got friends like that. We can go at it nonstop. But if anyone else said something about me, they would right. kill for me. So, and, and in Joe, you know, I mean, I didn't know Joe until 2004. And so, but I felt like that was there from the beginning. I think there was one time, and it was interesting actually, where there was a guy outside of our show, and this was only a couple months in, and he was bitching about the fact that I wasn't on the KFNS postgame show when the Cardinals were in, a, in the playoffs in 2004. I mean, this is how long we go. But we're going <laughs> MV3, Pujols, you know, Edmonds and Roland. Oh, that's fun. Yes, it really was. God, it was like, it was one of the best times ever I've had in this business. Uh, and I was loving working at KMOV at that time, going to the World Series, going to Houston for the NLCS. Uh, they played they played Dodgers in the first round. I was there when they beat the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. Lost to Lima time in Game Three, but won in Game Four. And um, and some somebody was bitching about the fact that I it was one of those textbook like radio in house things <laughs> where people were talking about somebody else. And I said to Joe, I said, "Listen, I know you don't know me very well. I said, but if we're going to be successful." We can fight amongst ourselves, but we got to stick together inside our room when we go outside the room. And I don't need to hear about you motherfucking me to people outside of our show. And from that moment forward and, and to this day, actually, there's that understanding. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else you could ask, especially when you know. And in fuck, we didn't even know we'd be going to as many wars as we would. But I have a great appreciation for that, even though, you know, we certainly, he would piss and moan when I'd be late for a break and, and I never would understand it. So I'm like, dude, I, you know, my company owns the, the show. We, you know, everything's cool. And he'd be freaking out, like, like stomping around. It was, <laughs> it was really, you know, uh, it's certainly the opposite of the way you are uh, back there, Gangster Pete. I know we'll get to the break. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's coming. It might be at 920, but it'll. Uh, and then here, here's this one. And again, this is where, this is what I was talking about with the tread lightly. There is a meta theme with texters, TMA hosts and producers, emailers, callers, and fan pinners that often make station management the butt of the joke. Uh, for example, Iggy mocking his salary, management not spending money on simple things like stamps or better equipment, poor lineups, messing with the flagship program, the subtle hints at Gangster Pete's near firing or furlough <laughs> or whatever that was, uh, and the millions of other abstruse is that a word or is that, was that like an autocorrect? I don't know. It's A B S T R U S E. I don't know that. I consider myself an educated man without a degree. Uh, comments made referencing things that have happened, but you choose not to fully divulge the full story. Does this ever present awkwardness or a station management ever approached you and asked you to tone down the ridicule because it's making them look bad? Has it presented any obstacles with current negotiations? Um, I really like the question. I guess what I have to do, though, at the outset is is say that I actually disagree with the premise that the show makes the station the butt of the joke. I don't I actually don't think that really goes on. I guess because I would say if we were. You would know it. You know, yeah, I don't agree with that at all. Okay, all right. So you agree with me, and we had yeah, to discuss I mean, this in advance. I mean, we always make a big deal about keeping things in the room. Yeah. So I know personally, that's what I do. Yeah, yeah. So it's just you know, so like Iggy has made veiled references to <laughs> to you know pay cuts. Uh, when we joke about the stamps thing, that's not a, a mock of the management. That goes back to when we were at nine twenty, and I don't know who said it, but somebody said. 
we haven't been email or we haven't been mailing out the prizes because we don't have any stamps. That might be a producer Joe thing. It might go before nine twenty. So that's that's the joke there. Uh, everything's an inside joke wrapped inside. So I don't blame people for not understanding it because everything's an inside joke. Uh, poor lineups. I don't know about the poor lineups thing. I, I see poor lineups and I think of DraftKings. That's where my mind that's, immediately that's, clicks to. That's where I went to. That's immediately where I went to. I'm like, yeah, I fucking had hat and everywhere. Um, but yeah, I, I would never. I mean, it's just, and, and nor would, by the way, can I picture anybody who is on the show now or on the show before like shitting on other hosts or shows on the station. It just isn't the way. And if they did, I would probably throw to a break and, you know, say, hey, or I would have that motherfucker up against a wall. I'd either say, hey, that isn't how we're going to conduct ourselves, or I'd have the motherfucker up against a wall. Either way, it wouldn't go on. That's just not the way, you know. I mean, so, I mean, maybe you're th thinking like the cat with the selfie with the microphone and everybody's a star thing, but that's, you know, now in, in hindsight, I will give myself shit about shows that I was responsible for that didn't work, but to like mock another talent or host or whatever, it's just, I don't know. I, and maybe somebody's going to point something out, which is certainly possible. And then I'll go, Oh, you know what? You're right. And I'm wrong. I just don't see that. But maybe do you, I, just, I'm like, we, I mean, what would we do? Like mock another show here on the station we just i mean it just yeah it would, it would just be it would be like it'd be like a suicide mission. no upside yeah it just and so i don't know but maybe i'm missing something uh what else was said messing with the flagship program yeah i mean that's that that certainly is is you know one may take it that way but i as i as i've said as pete was just saying um we really do are conscious of keeping it in the room um and you can say, well, what about when this person said this or that person said that? And I'll go, yeah, but the thing that I always say is for every one thing that might sort of get public, there are, I don't know, Pete, what do you think the ratio is? Five that don't? I mean, it's <laughs> at, like yeah, if we're being real, least, like five? At least five to one. Yeah. So, so for us as the people on the inside to, you know, read something like we're, we're taking shots, I would say, actually, I think if anything, we do a really good job of of just like, oh, okay, things go on, but we're so used to it uh, because it's been going on, stuff's been going on since 2004, and it really has, that it's just kind of, you know, I don't want to say it's whatever, but it's like, this is how, this is how you play the game. I recall there was one thing, and I don't remember what it was. Oh, there was something that was said in the paper. It was just bullshit, and my advisors and my attorney were furious, and they were ready to go, and I said how about if I just say this and they, and my attorney goes written like a man who's been through the wars <laughs> and I go, yeah, I just, it's kind of a whatever. And if people want me to be wrong or they want me to lose, it doesn't matter what they, what I say, they're going to interpret. It's like a pol political statement. If you like the politician, you're going to support him no matter what he says. And if you don't, so I'm just like, yeah, and I'm not going to engage because that has any upside. We'll take care of things, you know, elsewhere. Uh, the, the, the subtle hints at gangster Pete's near firing or furlough. I'm looking for, I, I don't think we've really talked much about it. No, we, on just, the radio. we just mentioned it on QFTA. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I don't even know if the guys on the show are aware of it. I don't think so. Like I mean, they really, now I am. I've never really talked to him about it. It's a hell of a story. Yeah, it's pretty good. And it's going to, you know, if and when it ever comes out, it's not going to look good for others. Yeah. Uh, as to... What happened? And by the way, that has nothing to do with anybody who is at the radio station or has been at the radio station. So I want to be clear. That's not like a, 
shot. Uh, but it was, you know, but I even listen, if I give you any more details, it's going to give it away and I can't do that. Right. Uh, at, at least at this moment, but that's one that still, and it's been what Pete, a year and a half. Yeah. And it yeah. still pisses me off. Uh, I mean, I it, couldn't it, believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is real. This oh, got here. God. And ever since that moment, uh, you've been charged with filtering the emails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that is that is that's as much of a hint as I can give you, is that an email that I read, but I mean as and it, well as you know, I don't want to say as everybody knows because who would know? I open up the emails and I just read. Right. It's the first time I'm reading them. But there are people in the audience who believe I don't like them, and so I won't read their <laughs> texts or emails. Yeah, and it's just like we get so many text messages, and some days we get so many emails, some days not. But either way, I just open it up and I start reading. And now I know if I see a certain email address, that person's probably going to be good because they've been good in the past, but I mean, I just start reading. And so then if it starts going into like a station thing at this moment, I just like eject because I'm not going to look to like get you in trouble or, or, you know, just like, I'm just, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to err on the side of caution. Um, I got the uh, difference between obtruse and obtuse. We do. Ha- that's a real word. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Bad obtruse moment for me. means concealed, hidden secret. Wow. Perfect word too. Obtuse means blunt, dull, stupid. Obstruse. Is that how it's put? A B S T R U S E. Yep, that's right. Wow, tip of the cap to Timmy Recap. She fired a word in that worked perfectly, and I had never heard of it. Uh, and, and let's see, and the millions of other abstruse comments made referencing things that have happened, but you choose not to fully divulge the story. Does this ever present awkwardness, or has station management ever approached you and asked you to tone down the ridicule because it's making them look bad? I. With this particular ownership group slash management, I am being dead serious. The answer is no. And almost they kind of like it, (laughs) Uh, which has not always been the case. But this group, in a way, kind of likes it. Like Randy Markell, who owns the station, he'll go, but I'll come in and I'll talk to these people. I'll tell them everything. And I'm going, oh, my God. You know, and, and I told him, I said, it'll be it'll be the most downloaded podcast we've ever done. Because I know Randy, and he really will say things <laughs> that people just go, oh, my God. You know, and that's, and it'll be hilarious. And he's talked about it. Uh, and may, who knows, maybe someday it will happen. Um but no, but as far as no, the answer to that is no, they have never told us. And I guess at this point here in a couple of weeks, uh, September 1st, it'll be four years. We've been at KFNS, uh, that, um, they, it's just, it hasn't ha- it just hasn't happened. Uh, as far as like, as far as I know, now I know Pete, you might be like, oh, there has been, but you're forgetting it. And I'm not going to say it. And so I would understand that, but I really cannot remember staffing. I would say that has, there have been issues there, of course, but but as far as content, the answer would be no. Just one time. Uh, was that the email thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was an after the fact thing. Right. And I still think if you put that in front of like so, like a, an arbitrator. Oh, yeah. Uh, they'd go, what in the world? You know. Yeah. A little sensitive. Oh, my God. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, no. So the answer to the question is in Pete's vouching for it i guess you could theoretically go oh you guys are just covering but i'm being i'm serious i mean shit i did a randy impression uh if i <laughs> if i talk about randy i can't, as with anybody by the way now now my attorney does a randy impression from negotiations because boy i talked to him and i you know i can't help now when i talk to him i can't help but break into the impression i go everybody does you know <laughs> everybody does it um 
But I mean, I, I legitimately listen. Obviously, Randy and I have had philosophical differences, but we do have a, uh, a, a unique relationship, for lack of a better term, and it's a good one. I, you know, that, that's the best way I can describe it. But he has never said, "Hey, why do you guys not talk about the blues in the eight o'clock hour, or something like that, or what's this cuck thing you guys are talking about in the nine o'clock hour?" It's never ever come up from him. <laughs> From John Hadley, from I don't even know who's been running the show or the station in the past. It just it just hasn't. Uh, I guess Dave Green was GM before, so it just it just never happened. And again, that's it. This run at KFNS, that is the truth. Has it presented any obstacles with current negotiations? Uh, now, I mean, I guess I guess I guess with that, my life would be a lot easier, even though it doesn't, it, it's, it's my own, it's my own, uh, monster. I suppose I'm fighting because I want to be able to tell everybody what's going on. That's that because that's my personality, um, which may or may not be a good thing. I don't know. I just know it is my personality and I don't do well when I, when I see things that are written that I know are not true. And that, and by the way, not because they're written maliciously, um, falsely. That's not the case. It's just, I can't talk. I mean, I'm, again, I'm an employee here and in a negotiation with my employer and it's a, and it's been written about in the newspaper and the audience is interested in it and I can't talk about it. So it's a, I mean, I can, but it's, I, I can't because of those circumstances. And that's a, that's a, that's a, it's just a unique spot. And it would be a lot easier to explain things if I could, but I, but I can't. And so that's a tough spot, but it's not like something that is like owning my soul. I mean, at this point now, it's a few months old. Uh, it'll be three, it, where we are really approaching three months. So, but I mean, Randy and I have been talking about the radio station going back to 20 shit when I first met him, 2016, but like it was in the newspaper. If you go back, there's an article in March of 2017 where he's talking about selling the radio station. I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean, it goes back that long. So, um, it's just the, the way, you know, that it, that, it, that it works. I mean, so I don't know. It's we have a good relationship. He uh, will if you know, I, I I guess I haven't seen him since probably January because I haven't been in a restaurant to like meet with him for lunch. But we talk. But like I was about to say, if we were to get together for lunch, I would wind up laughing my ass off. I mean, it's just kind of his his personality and just some of the, I mean, he just says things that are just hilarious, you know, but then we got to get down to business. We get down to business and then we wind up laughing after that. And, and, you know, if we get fired up, we get fired up, but then we move on. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a negotiation. It's just, it's just, I'm a radio host on a show that has a, a following and, and it's a station that gets written about a whole lot more than you would necessarily think it would. And so it's one of these kind of like, almost like a gossip column item and it's funny when I'm with people and I can tell they want to bring it up and how they kind of get into it without get like, like I'm over at my parents' house on uh, Sunday or Saturday, whatever it was. And I've already told my, I said to my dad, I said, I never want to, I, we, my dad and I have an, a, a, a gentleman's agreement. We do not talk about KFNS, not because we're not talking about the sale of KFNS, just because I just don't want to, I just don't want to talk about it because he'll get fired up and then I get fired up and then it becomes a whole thing. And it's just better for our relationship. Um, and my dad has been retired, you know, since 2014, but since he was the general sales manager here for six years and you know, his son's on the station, he just, you know, and he reads stuff. I said, dad. And I, I, what I wanted to say was, I love you. 
but I don't want to get into it. And for whatever reason, I said, I think the world of you, but I just, I'm not, I just don't want to talk about it. And I know, and I'm sure, you know, it's, that's a rough thing, but I just don't want, cause it's just going to get into, it's going to put me in a mindset and then I'm going to say, then he's going to ask questions that I, you know, can't explain and not because of privacy reasons. I mean, he's my dad, but, uh, I just don't want to get it cause it's so, there's so many things. And, uh, and so it's, so it's a, it's just a, it's a, it's a weird spot. And, and honestly, it's one of those things, by the way, whenever it's over, however it ends, um, I don't necessarily think people will find it all that titillating. It's a business negotiation. It's math. It's not that there is, there are a lot more. The, the, the Pete email thing is a hell of a lot more titillating than, than the negotiations. I assure you, you will find that. I assure you, if I write all that, and then I also include, and by the way, here's the thing that Pete and I have been hinting at, that will get more attention than me buying the station or not buying the station. I guess the thing that I will say that I think I can say that I feel like is a, um, is a misnomer. And I know I've said it on the radio and I've said it here, but I want to keep saying it. it's like my campaign speech, the perception that it is my life's quest or my current dream to own KFNS and to buy KFNS that people have contacted me or people I even know well. So I really hope you get the station and I, that that is everything to me. It's just not, it's just not, it's just, it, it, but that doesn't mean that I don't want it. It's just, it's also, it's, it's kind of like a, 55, 45 thing. It's not a God, I got to get it thing, you know, because if you play it out, it's like, okay, we got it. And now I got to deal with this. And then it's like, okay, well I didn't buy it. And now I got to deal with this. I mean, there's negatives and positives on both, both, uh, both. I don't even call it outcome. Cause I think in a way we're kind of in, in I don't want to say in control of it, but I guess in a way we are, I mean, I've right a first refusal. So, uh, you know, I, th I just think there's like a perception like we can't get it done. And I don't know where that came from. I have no idea, but we could. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but we did and we could, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if people are pulling for it because then it's like a victory for TMA uh, or they're, they love TMA and they'll be like, okay, if you own it, then the show won't be quote unquote messed with. But what people have to understand, and I would think this is, obvious, but you know, it, it, this is my everyday life. Just like if you sold cars, for example, it's your everyday life. And so I don't know. I mean, I have people, uh, you know, as I'm looking at buying a car or leasing a car, whatever, uh, they're talking about how the inventory is like at an all time low. And for them, that's their reality. It's an everyday reality. I didn't know that. I, how would I know that not being in the automotive industry? This is my reality. I, and then when I say it, I'm sure people will go, well, yeah, I guess now that you say it, it makes sense. If you can imagine the amount of advertising dollars being spent in August 2020 versus August 2019, I'm sure you would say, yeah, that's probably substantially less. So that's a that's an issue. Uh, that's a real issue. And I would be taking on a large amount of the risk. So that is that's a real thing. Um, you know, so that it's not like I'm like, God, if we can get this, then we can turn it. You can't, you can't control the economy. We believe we can put people in place. Well, we know. Uh, and, uh, we believe we have some revenue streams that we can bring to the table that will, uh, help optimize the business, or at least what we consider to be optimizing the business, but you can't control the economy and also the uncertainty surrounding this, this, 
this uncertainty is not limited to the pandemic. I also include the uncertainty into November 2020 with the election. And not because I'm like, oh, if Biden wins, the economy collapses. Or if Trump wins, the economy collapses. Or the economy doesn't rebound. That's not where it is. I'm talking about just all hell breaking loose. Uh, that's, to me, a, uh, a real thing. And so you have to factor that in when you're making a defining decision. So, you know, so hopefully that helps explain it to people. But I just, I like to get that on the record because I know not everybody listens to this, but enough people can listen to it. So if and when somebody starts saying something that isn't accurate, it can kind of filter its way through and, and people can know the truth. Um, yeah. So anyway, I like the question. It's just, uh, it's a premise that uh, I actually think we, we keep way more in the room. And I don't really feel like there's a lot of mocking going on just because that's kind of not the way that we operate. I mean, even the Dan Marshall thing, I'm trying to take myself back to it. Like we were laughing our asses off during the press conference. I truly pissed myself. I really <laughs> did. I really did. There was actually urine in me drawers. Um, because I was, we were all laughing like Joe producer, Joe was like, he's I think his, the next day was his last day. He was dying. The cat and Doug were in there and we were just dying. I mean, it was the greatest unintentional comedy I've ever seen. And, uh, and the fact that they were doing it to try to shove it up our ass during seven to 10, but then having the, the no awareness that that meant we would own that content forever per my contract. So we get to continue to use it, uh, was the best. Um, but I don't even think, I don't even think, I think even then I was like saying these things that were like complimentary of Dan Marshall. And even though the whole time I knew that it wasn't going to work out and so on and so forth. So it's just, it just makes life easier. And I'm, and it goes back to the thing that I, now I understand, I see people can sometimes cite the Bert Kaufman, the guy at nine twenty um, gave me, which is so basic, but don't waste your time on things that don't have upside. And it's just so simple, but God, does it work? It really does. And then don't engage in a war of words with a liar. Those are the two things. And once you kind of have them, you're kind of like, fuck, why, you know, you know, you know, it just, it really simplifies things. So that really helped me at that time. And, um, you know, I, I, I try to be as transparent as I can. And like I said, if, and when the time comes that all of this stuff is over, however it ends, I'll tell you the story. And I think people are like, Oh, well, that's all it was. There's just not a whole lot to it. It's a business negotiation and you know, it's a business negotiation in the midst of a recession and a pandemic. So it's, it's a unique business negotiation in that sense, but it's still math. Like I said, the PD email thing is a hell of a lot more fascinating to me. And, and trust me, even though it's been 18 months, my dander is still more up over that than anything with regard to negotiations because negotiations, that's business and, you know, it's part of the deal. Uh, all right. Uh, let me tell our audience about James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. He is online at carltoninsurance.net and uh, his phone number is 314-961-4800. James Carlton has some exciting news to share for the St. Louis area. State Farm has filed a rate decrease with the state of Missouri, and James is confident that State Farm will have the best pricing that he's seen in 12 years and perhaps in their history, meaning there's never been a better time for our listeners to take a look if they're not currently with State Farm. And the good news isn't just for those looking to change their coverage. Current customers will be seeing big reductions in their renewals as well. It's Carlton Insurance in Webster Groves, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. And also, with all the storms we've had, in St. Louis over the last, uh, few days. I mean, some, how about, did you, uh, were you, were you, did you peek out the window at that stuff last night? Oh yeah. That was legit, man. I love storms. So I'm always, out. I, uh, so we were barbecuing and you know, it's just me and my wife and my son 
and like you can feel it. Yeah. And I don't even know what that, I don't know if it's electricity or a temperature change. You could see it coming from the northeast, I believe it was. No, northwest. Um, and then I'm like, I told Anna Marie, like, I'm getting the chicken off the grill. And I said, woman, because I'm respectful. <laughs> I said, woman, you got to get inside within 60 seconds because this is about to be brutal. And it was like, it was, it struck me as tornadic. Have you yep. ever been in a tornado, Gangster Pete? Uh, yeah, I grew up in St. Charles, so... Did we, you have you ever seen one? We had scares. I've seen like the funnel clouds. Have you really? They blew out our basement windows one time. Really? But uh, yeah, they're not to be trifled with. I was in one with the great Gabe Diarman. Oh wow! Um, but it was at night, and it just like came through like the the like subdivision south of Columbia where we were right. playing like uh, NCAA football and PlayStation, <laughs> and it was like it was so instantaneous. Things started shaking and flashing, and it was like God. I bet it was five seconds. And then it was gone. But it went across 63 towards where KOMU is. Right. That's where it was. Uh, but either way, that, the storms, man, there's there's uh, some saturation. I bet a lot of people have had issues with water in their basement. Restoration One of Central St. Louis is the company you want to go to. 314-888-5266. Water damage is hard. Water damage is difficult. But oftentimes, on the other side of water damage is the Golden Goose. The Golden Goose is Restoration One of Central St. Louis, 314-888-5266. And we had water damage. We called Jim Rogers at Restoration One of Central St. Louis. That's the first call you should make when your home is wet. 314-888-5266. Jim Rogers, Restoration One of Central St. Louis online at Restoration One of Central St. Louis. .com. All right. Now we I'm scrolling through and we have the Cletus handicap thing. Um all right, let me go to the emails because I got plenty of emails as well. All right. Uh, okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, don't Super- want, I don't even want to know. It was just sent. All right, it's 1125, so I haven't scrolled through this one. Usually I get them and then I just put them in the QFTA file unless I'm like, okay, this is something I'm not going to talk about. Uh, I'm All right, we'll see. So I'm going to give the audience the, the live reaction even though it's on podcast. Tim. I just finished the second hour of the show today. Doug seems like a reasonable, educated person. So what makes someone who only voted for Trump almost certainly to stop Hillary Clinton from winning, ready to trash everyone and anyone in defense of him now? After three and a half years of this shit, it's clear (laughs) to reasonable people that his election was a mistake and that Trump doesn't care about the job or people, just himself. Is it an inability for Doug to admit he was wrong? Is it an inability to admit mistake? I'm not saying Clinton would have been better, but I can't stand the unchecked slander. Slander, that's a big word to use here. He continually jumps from hot take to hot take without any evidence. In January, he said Biden paid everyone off to win. And now he says he's Bernie's puppet. None of these opinions are based on logic. I'm so sick of the rights, conspiracy theories, and fear-mongering. The callers today were perfect examples of this constant fear of, quote, (laughs) the other these are the same people who believe lizard men control us all and that everything in the world is responsible for their lot in life. I've gotten to a point where I can't listen to the show just because Doug is so misinformed. Anyway, no real question here, just an observation. I just don't understand how people are still willing to run through a wall for Trump after the last few years and complete mismanagement of the pandemic response. Also, to add in a typical podcast question, knife versus bat in a fight, what you got? Thanks for the time. That's from Steve Rogers, former Expos pitcher. <laughs> Knife versus bat in a fight. I immediately thought of the flying rodent creature. Um, I go bat, don't you? Knife versus versus the bat. Yeah. How's a bat going to hurt you? 
We're talking about like oh, the swing. Thinking, so you were thinking <laughs> the flying rodent creature I was thinking too. Of Austin, Texas. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what the bridge? Yep. 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 Uh, knife versus a bat. Don't you think a bat is the move? I don't know. I think you could take from a, a hit from a bat and still stab someone and they'd bleed out. Mm. I'll take the knife. Yeah, interesting. Gangster Pete and I with yet another it'd disagreement. Have to, it'd have to be a perfect hit. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like it because because this is you know I want people to send in stories, preferably erotic, but or opinions and you know, and questions. It's not we just call it questions from the audiences because that's what we did one time and it just stuck. I mean, who fucking cares? It's me and Pete talking basically. That's what it should be called. Doug's obviously on the right, but even today he said they had two bad candidates. Right. Right, like and I pe- thought that was I thought that was yeah. healthy. A lot of people just see it from their, right. their view. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know. On, on Doug, I don't know, and it's I, a part of me when I saw this because I saw Clinton and I saw Doug, and that's what that's what made <laughs> me go because that's you just go, you open up the email and you see yep. it, and you're like, oh, I saw Clinton, D- Trump, Doug, and I'm I had a feeling, and it, and I'm only reading it. I don't feel like. It got too personal. Otherwise, I would have. And some people might go, "How can you say that wasn't personal?" I don't think it's anything different than we've read on TMA. I guess I would say. Yeah. Otherwise, I would say to Pete, "Let's just edit that out," because I do get a lot of this. A lot of it being, maybe a lot is overstating it, but I've gotten it before, and it's from some of people who are friends of mine who will text me, and I'll be like, "Guys, here's Doug's email. If you wanted to, I mean, it's not me, and I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> to me." I think one of the reasons why we can have the the tone of discussions we have regarding politics on our show is because you know you're not going to get shouted down. And I think that's healthy, even if Doug is presenting something that I just completely disagree with or I think is not true. Um, I don't want him to live in fear of expressing an opinion. So I'll, I, I'll attempt to draw a parallel to it. Um, you know, you, you probably, if you listen to TMA, you notice that when he's you know, saying some of this stuff, I just go quiet now. That's how I handle it. And I know that pisses some people off. They want me to be like, they want this to be Anderson Cooper and take your pick of whatever guest or whomever, you know? And that's just not, that's not, that's not me. Uh, it's not my personality. You also will notice that specific, like when, when the cat was out for, uh, July, and we would go into the quote-unquote dirty areas, which me and Iggy, are, we reside in. We won't just go to. We, we reside in. Doug would just get quiet. And, it, it, you know, I'm, but but that's cool. You know, we didn't need Doug to go, oh, I disapprove of this. It's like, okay, we know, you know, it's like we. this is not my show. This is not my forum. This is our show. This is our forum. And it, I am not the police on whose opinion can be expressed and whose cannot. So you might not like what Doug has to say. I don't agree with it either. Uh, but I certainly respect him a great deal. As Pete and I have said often, he is like the ultimate coworker. Uh, he truly is. He's going to do his job. He's not going to cause any bullshit and he's going to do it at a high level. And what else can you possibly ask for? And I disagree with him on political issues, but what was it that I said, I agree with you? Oh, because we, we were talking about, if you look at, because you're going the 300 million, he said 300 million people in the country, and these are the two yeah. we wound up with. Right. Which I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. Now, you certainly have a portion of the country, and, and more around this area than if you went to California or New York. Um, but... 300 million people in the country in, 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 who, who, who think the world of Donald Trump and, and how, how I don't know, but I, whatever I, it, it, you know, I mean, we know it exists. I don't think you have that with Joe Biden. 
I don't think you had that with Hillary Clinton. I do think you had that with Barack Obama. And I still, 12 years later, hold him in incredibly high esteem. And 12 years later, I hold John McCain incredibly uh, high esteem um, in, a, in a monster way. I mean, to think like, you know, in 2016, I walked out of that booth and I voted for Hillary Clinton. And I'm like, I never thought I would ever vote for Hillary Clinton. And I thought to myself, well, at least it'll 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 be better next time around. <laughs> and I'm going, I guess I think it's better. I guess. I don't know. I, but that's really not my emotion. My emotion is just like what Doug said. I, so I agree with him. How, how of all of these people in the country, so many people who, you know, like the Roman Empire, even if we're on the tail end of it, It'll be, you know, and humanity's still going. They'll write about the United States and 250 years of, you know, uh, being a signature civilization. How in the hell did we wind up with these choices? And Doug said, if you are running for office, you are subjecting yourself and your family to people just making shit up about you, attacking you, and who, when you're in a position of wealth, would want to subject themselves and their families to that. You have to have certain personality traits in order to want that. And so, uh, Pete, I, I, I know I brought him up briefly on the show today. I have a couple of friends um, who I would, in a heartbeat, I would vote for. Um, and I think one's a Democrat and one's a Republican. I don't even fucking know. I just know I think very highly of them. And I, and I think this came up last week because of Manavani. And they, one of them actually is in a position, and, and he's like, yeah, I would never, never because I don't want to subject my family. This is a conversation we had a couple of years ago. I would never subject my, because, and, and so I think that's where a lot of people are. I wouldn't want to put myself, uh, in, in that spot where, you know, you're going to be attacked. Um, and so that I think I, what takes me, I mean, certainly Donald Trump's presidency, you know, you know, but, <laughs> but, the fact that the Democratic Party put those people on the stage as the finalists for this nomination blows me away. I thought you would have people jumping up and down to be the nominee, and instead it was almost like people avoided it. Or, or this is the best we have. I don't know. I'm, st- I'm stunned by it. I am. I get the thing that Doug and I, he just doesn't, and I, this is where I will say, and I would say, and I probably have said this to him, he doesn't get it because he keeps going back to Biden. And then I say, well, who would you have gone with otherwise out of that group? And he'll go, anybody. And I go, okay, but you have to factor in what, what the polls are and what the delegates are at the time of the party uh, coalescing behind uh, Biden. And it was, it's either Bernie Sanders and potentially getting destroyed in November, not just for the White House, but in the House and in the Senate, or it's going, oh, shit. Well, it's Biden, Buttigieg, or Klobuchar. Oh, boy. Klobuchar and Buttigieg might be better, but they have like, like a 5% approval rating, if that, amongst minorities. And so they're unelectable. And so that's a problem. And so that is how you wound up with Joe Biden. My question is how you wind up with the original 16. That's my question. I get how after January and February and in the first part of March, they wound up with Joe Biden. I don't get how 
it wound up with only those 16. That's that's where I go, what in the world? But that's where we are. Gangster Pete, what are your thoughts, sir? I mean, I just assume that they had four years, they would find someone that people could rally around that get excited about. And I figured that's like the only job they had was to find someone like that, and they didn't. It just it blows my mind that we're in the position we are now. I am telling you. I mean, and, and, and it's, you know, I don't know. And I, I continue to say, continue to say, continue to say, if there's anybody who will make it available that Donald Trump uh, and Joe Biden are not sworn in as president in January of 2021, I will bet it. I will bet it. I will bet it. Now, it's got it's not like an even money bet because I'm, I'm sure I'm getting odds. I'd have to be getting pretty nice odds. I'd imagine that's at least, what do you think, plus 2,000? I mean, shit, if Pence is plus 8,000 to be president, which strikes me as too high, like he, he should be like plus 3,000, uh, not because you expect it, but because, you know, it's better than a 1 in 30 chance, uh, I would I would bet it because I just I still think that's in play, not because of the conspiracy that caller Bob brought up today that uh, Hillary Clinton will be brought out from behind a curtain. Bob and really makes you think. He does make you think. He is a make-you-thinker. But... Uh, yeah, man. I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, here's the thing. I don't know. I, I was, I was with somebody the other day and he started and this person's in politics and was talking about, uh, goes Holly fraud, obviously Greitens fraud, obviously. And then he started naming some other people who people who kind of like the book isn't already written on, um, and goes, wouldn't bother with that person, total fraud. I'm like, yeah, I kind of <laughs> got that sense, but I don't know that person as well as, you know, because that person hasn't been as out as, as the Holly and Greitens thing. And they're, they're both those guys were kind of running the same playbook, and it worked. Uh, and it was like a lock. And I had people who were like in, in Democratic politics in Missouri going, no, there's no way uh, Holly's going to be Claire McCaskill. I go, oh, my God, there's no way Claire McCaskill's going to be Josh Holly. They're playing, the, they're playing the hits. They're playing the hits on how you get elected in Missouri. You know, a, a guy who <laughs> went to Oxford is in jeans condemning the elite <laughs> in the woods. A, a guy who's a Rhodes Scholar is firing his assault right. I mean, <laughs> but that's the game. Oh, so anyway, uh, that, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, that's the way, at least as of this moment, I am going to host a show. Um, I just am not going to shout Doug down unless I am reading something and I'm going, what you're saying is factually inaccurate. And it's, it's, I don't actually want to say it's funny because I don't think it's funny. It, it irritates the fuck out of me when people are mad at Doug's politics, but they take it out on me. Like I'm the, the one who's supposed to censor him. And I'm going to, why he's, he's got, if he's passing something off this fact that I'm, that as he's saying, and I'm like, I don't think that's real. I will be in the process of looking it up to fact check it and then say, hey, where are you getting that? Or I will provide the truth. But as far as his opinion goes, you might not like it, but who am I to like go, okay, I disagree with your opinion, so therefore we need to go to a commercial break and I'm going to scold you, person I've known for 20 years who's 20 plus years older than me? I mean, what the fuck would that be? So you can get mad about it because I realize that's not what we're used to watching. If you're watching, uh, you know... Uh, in an interview or a cable news show or whatever, but that's just not, that's not me. So I don't know what to say. That's, that's my explanation for it, for lack of better term. <laughs> and like you said, Doug's a great guy. He's solid as fuck. Yeah, that's the other it's thing. Like, like, he walks he, like around. you were like a shitty dude. Yeah, but it's not like he walks around like, here's my political opinions, right. you know? It's just, 
when he's just absolutely up, passionate. About it. The think. interesting thing is, and I think Stavard brought it up when he was on the podcast, and I know Seymour was the one who was running the board on that one. Um, and I was sitting over there, and Steve's over here, and I think he talked about it because I remember walking and working in that office. It was me, Savard, and Doug, and our producers. Like, so if anything, I would have said Savard was the conservative then because I, you have to understand, I was working in the sports office there during Al Gore versus George W. Bush uh, and the Iraq War. Uh, and I guess, fuck, carry against Bush. So, does Savard listen to the show? Uh, <laughs> I believe so with this free dotum card. Yeah, I do. I do. like it. Um, that, was, that, was, that was a surprise to that me. Was, that was a surprise. <laughs> it was a surprise to me, too. Uh, but uh, I would have said uh, Steve's the most conservative at, at that time. And then after interviewing Steve on the podcast, I'd actually think, I think Steve may have, both him and Mike Bush, I think, not to say that they're now on the left, but they just have empathy that they didn't necessarily have from reading sports scores. Once you are reading these stories and now meet people involved in it, you have a different perspective on things. And I don't know where mine... Mine isn't necessarily from that. Mine is from, I have a real aversion to fraudulent religious people. That is, that is where I am. That's where mine is. That bugs me too. That's, I mean, for real, that's, that's where mine is. Cause people you know, like, God, what are you progress? I go, I don't fuck. I don't know. I'm anti fraudulent religious person. And I think my theory is, and I don't really know how much of a theory. Some people go, well, yeah, that's not really a theory. It's what happened. But my theory is the Republican party saw its policies were not going to win in flyover country America in the late 70s after Watergate. And so they made a deal with the devil, so to speak, uh, and <laughs> combined forces with the religious right. And now you have people voting against their own economic interests because they believe they're the party of God. And then oftentimes just will justify, well, I'm a Christian, so yeah, that's why I hate this group of people or this group of people or this is why I justify this policy and then just going, oh my God, what the fuck happened? <laughs> Which is why I think, even though Jack Danforth and I are two different human beings in so many different ways, we both have that as one of the most important things to us. He's just coming at it from actually being a person of means who was a United States senator uh, you know, and an Episcopalian minister, and I'm coming at it from a different perspective, but it's the same principle. We hate religious frauds. And by the way, that isn't limited to Christianity. I hate the, the and then how it's like peddled off is like, well, he's a motherfucker and yeah, he did this and this and this and this, but you'll see him at church on Sunday and you're going, what the fuck? Like, that's <laughs> like, now it's a get out of jail free card. Right. So that's what I don't, that's, that's really what I don't like. That's what I don't like. But I don't feel like John McCain did that. You know, I don't feel like Mitt Romney did that. I mean, I guess Mitt Romney kind of couldn't do it theoretically. Uh, but, you know, that's 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 where I that's that's so to explain my politics. It's not necessarily that I'm for I'm for somebody who I think is a good person. And you go, Mark Montavani's a Republican. OK, fine. I don't give a shit. He's a sharp guy who I got to know and I think highly of. Jack Danforth is Republican. Okay, fine. I don't give a shit. Sharp guy who I've got to know and I think incredibly highly of. Um, who's a Democrat that I can... Uh, Jason Kander would be one. Now, I've texted with Jason. I've never met him, never interviewed him, but we've texted about an interview. I think very highly of him. Um, Democrat, whatever. We might not line up on policies. But for me, if somebody is a quality person, they have a trait of acting in what they believe is for the greater good. And that is who I want in office. 
not somebody who is going to destroy human beings. And I said this before 2016, this is where I was, uh, in order to either get reelected or uh, keep their legacy intact. Because that's what I used to think of Hillary Clinton, which is why I said back in like 2004, well, here's one person I know I'd never vote for is Hillary Clinton. 12 years later, I'd vote for Hillary Clinton. But shit, you didn't know what was going to be in play in 2016. But essentially, it was the same kind of personality traits, I believe, um, that she would have, you know, done whatever for her own interests. And just perhaps uh, from my standpoint, not as extreme as Trump. And also, I think, you know, she's operating with more cards in the deck. Um you know, but I, I don't view Joe Biden that way, even though I think his his deck doesn't have 52 either. Uh, but but I don't think he is going to act in what his his own best interests. And therefore, I think it is better for the country. But I'm not going. Thank God Joe Biden is the nominee. I'm going, oh, my God, how this happened? <laughs> you told me two years ago, Joe Biden's a nominee. So that's where I am. So motherfuck away, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com, <laughs> motherfuck away, because I think I said something there that everybody can get irritated by. Uh, let's see. He, hey, Tim, Pete, after watching Brooks Kepka and his asshole attitude for yet another <laughs> weekend, I wanted to get your thoughts on the guy. Do you have respect for his general displeasure with the media slash the sport of golf? Should he at least fake his enthusiasm as speaking to the media could be seen as part of his responsibility as an athlete and public figure? I'm not advocating for a full-bore, happy-go-lucky performance, but I find his attitude surprising, sour, and distasteful, not to mention his no-show media presence post-round on Sunday after talking mad shit on Saturday evening. Gangster Pete looking forward to shaving strokes in a few weeks. That's from caller Cal, who up, is Cal? becoming a cult favorite uh, with uh, some and hated by others. Gangster Pete, uh, the floor. I, I actually disagree with Cal on this one. I love Brooks Kepka. I think he's hilarious. Uh, I think it's good to have guys in golf that aren't just vanilla, you know? The guy that I hate is Bryson DeChambeau. I can't stand that Something I think something's off there, though. Yeah, you know? I so like, I really do. I think something's off. So, in a way, like, I'm, I'm laughing at the fire ants <laughs> that, oh, that and his tantrums and, and, the, and his swing, which he'll be done within two years with this thing. Uh, it's just, just, just what's going to happen. And Fina was out driving him all day on Sunday. It's just, I mean, I think he's going to injure himself. Um, that, but I, I think he's kind of like, you know, we're going to go, oh, yeah, there's, I just think something's off, you know? Uh, not like, like, I think he's like a serial killer or something. Like that. I just <laughs> think something's off, and, you know, um, you know, for, la for lack of a better term. With regard to Kepka, I thought he did do an interview following his round. I read an interview following his round on Sunday in which he was said, I'm, I was basically Paul's caddy, as in Paul Casey, who his playing partner was. Yeah, I didn't see his post around So I don't know, but I read one. So I don't know. If he no-showed, that'd be really disappointing, but I know I read one. I think he's saying no-showed in his round. Oh, uh, no, no. He said no-show oh. media presence okay. post-round on Sunday. Oh, um, yeah, that would be a bitch move. Uh, I, God, I don't know. I, I, it's <laughs> some, like, like, as an observer, I like it. And it's kind of like, oh, people like when, like, there's a Dan Caesar column. Even if they're pulling for us, they like it because it titillates them. But then when I'm in the middle of it, I hate it. So then I feel like it's so hypocritical for me to go, yeah, I'm entertained by Kepka. I guess, taking a shot at Dustin Johnson with his, you know, looking at the leaderboard, obviously it's tough to win more than one major, you know, shot. <laughs> I loved it. But see, here's what I think, and maybe I'm wrong on it. This is my offer a theory. And I'm acknowledging my double standard, by the way. So call me on it if you want. 
But here's what I think may have been going on. I think he thinks DJ's mentally weak and that he could get in his head with it. So I think it was actually strategic. Oh, I definitely think he was trying to get in his head okay. with it. Okay. Yeah, and that's what I liked about it. Okay, I, all right. I like the gamesmanship aspect okay. of it. Okay. See, I thought you liked like the WWE theatrics of it. No, I think Brooks is hilarious because I mean he admits that like golf's not his, even his favorite sport. He's just awesome at it. So like he just he takes a whole different approach to it than everybody else, and I find it refreshing. It's fun and to see, watch. I'm not sure, and I'm not sure that part is true either. I think I don't know, and maybe it is. Maybe that is the case. I know he loved baseball. I think his, I know Dick Rose's uncle or grandfather or something like something that. Like that. Um, but Dustin Johnson, the last time he had a lead heading into Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe it was in heading into Saturday. It was RBC Heritage in 2019, and he had one of his worst rounds of the year. There are statistics for a guy who is as talented and who looks like he would rather be anywhere but the <laughs> golf course, so it gives off a vibe of cool that he is a mess internally. And so if you recognize that in your playing partner, in other words, you spot that there is that high and that low and the game moves with it, then you want to capitalize on it. And, and that's what I was just, when we were starting out the podcast, Pete, when I was talking about Mark Milton, I'm like, oh, this, I'm going to be able to just fucking own his soul, right. you know? And then it was like, there's nothing I could do. And then it became clear to me, I was going to lose money and it tilted me that I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? I thought here was a guy I was going to be, and I had to give him a bunch of strokes, but I still thought he was just going to blow up and hit the ball into the water and the shit. And I couldn't get to him. And I, you know. And instead, I think what I was saying actually got to the guy I was playing against in the Fan Page Club Championship, <laughs> which I kind of wasn't really focused on because I was like five down. And the next thing I know, I'm in that match, and I'm like trying to not lose $180 to Mark Milton. So if you recognize, and I don't know how to describe you can recognize it like at a poker table. You can oh, yeah. tilt, uh, tilt people. You know how to tilt people. But tilting people doesn't require yelling. It can just be one little thing. And, and, I, and so I was trying things on Mark, and it wasn't working. But I did one little thing with Curtis and he hit two of the next three OB and, you know, three jacked. And it's like, now I'm not saying that was a cause and effect, but I know it happened. And I'm like, I kind of felt badly because I, because for him, it was really important. He's a nice guy. And I'm just fucking around trying not to lose $200 to Mark, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and so I think Kepka was saying that shit to get in DJ's head because he knows he shits the bed. I mean, his greatest shitting of the bed is what? And once I say it, you'll it'll it'll when instantly. He, when he fell down the stairs at the Masters. No, 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 no. That's <laughs> he I was the it. hottest golfer in the world at that time. Yeah, there there was an expectation of a coronation that week, but no. Once I said Chambers Bay. Okay, yeah. Eighteenth hole, seventy second yeah. hole, Chambers Bay. He's putting to win albeit a brutal putt, especially on those greens. I mean, that thing <laughs> right. was like a downhill slider. I mean, that's a motherfucker. I don't know. He, he hits that two out of ten times. You're uh, thinking three putt before you hit the first putt. Yeah. It was a terrible place to be. Uh, and then he blows it by, and now it's like you go from having a putt to win the entire U.S. Open to now you have a putt to not lose it that was only 15 feet away from the putt that you had to win it in two <laughs> seconds ago. That's rough. And, and once that happens, now everybody knows it's in your DNA that you can fold. And so I think, you know, cause I was having a, there was a thread. I don't know if you saw it where, where I was talking about Jordan Spieth. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Okay. 
what happened to Spieth in the 2016 Masters? Danny Willett. Danny Willett. Oh, yeah, it drives me up the wall, too. I don't believe caused what we're seeing from Jordan Spieth right now because you can present the 2017 Open where he won right. to say, well, yeah, it, it didn't end him. But what I will tell you is this. What happened on the back nine, in particular 12, but in general, the back nine and the lead he had in, in, in the Masters that year showed everybody that, oh, the demon does exist in him, just like it did with, like, Tom Watson, for example. Still a great champion, still a guy who won tournaments after having the yips, but they knew it was possible. And so while everybody was watching what was taking place in 2009 with Tom Watson um, and the possible stunning win of a major championship by a 59-year-old, the entire time you're watching, and it wasn't just because it was Tom Watson, and it wasn't just because it was a 59-year-old. It was also because you were watching a guy who you knew could explode at any moment, and it would be must. It would be Jean Vandeveld, you know, in the sense that it would be holy shit. Except you know, Jean Vandeveld never won anything Watson had, but you knew he could miss a two-footer, and so when he ran that chip bar, I think he wound up putting it on 18 against. Uh, it wasn't against Stewart Sink at that time. People are like, fuck, he's going to miss the next putt, and this is going to sudden death, and you know he's going to lose. And it wasn't even a sweat. He got hammered by Stuart Sink. I mean, I'm getting really into the weeds on a tournament <laughs> 11 years ago that most people don't remember. But the premise being the demon. The demon. And this taking it back to Kepka on Dustin Johnson, the thought process being he was trying to activate the demon. That's what I took it as because he, I think he's friends with Dustin Johnson. I know the relationship is. Well, I think Kepka earlier in the week said, told the media that they weren't as good as friends as the media makes it sound like. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't know. I don't know. He, I, I don't which also could have been a thing. I, I don't know. I think DJ lost it on the front nine. I think he played it too safe. Like there's some chances to get some birdies and he was hitting it in the middle of the green. I mean, maybe he wasn't trying to, but that's where they all I kept was, ending up. Uh, my wizard, my wizard, I, and I can't go into details because then people, I, I, he probably doesn't give a shit. People know who he was anyway. Um, but he had so many lineups, Pete. Right. T like tw like 20 that were in play to win the million. Wow. I mean, it's just nuts. I mean, I didn't even have 20 with all six <laughs> players. And we did well. We doubled our money this past week. Uh, but we were texting beforehand because I like to fire a long shot bet the day of. Right. And I go, who do you see as a long shot that can win? It was so tough to have a long shot because there's so many people like at the top of the leaderboard that, that a long shot would have to get through like a Cantlay who was minus three when you had Johnson at minus nine. And then there's like 20 people in between. You pick, and he goes, you pick Colin? Uh, God, I don't remember who he might have been. He didn't pick him. He said, but he, I know what he said. He said, I think DJ gets it done. Um, That's what I there was said somebody, so. oh, cause I said Wolf and a uh, champ actually had the best statistics. Wolf's another guy I don't like. You don't like Wolf. Why is that? You don't I've like the watched, swing? I've watched him play in a couple of those pro-ams and he, he just talks nonstop. Well, he's trying to kind of get, he's trying so hard. Yeah. Like, he'll, it'll come. He'll, he'll win. Oh, so, I, I think he'll win. I think he's a great player. Yeah. He's just personality. But he's trying, he's trying to go card before the horse with personality before right. he won, even though he's won. He hasn't won like that. None of his jokes are funny. And he really did. If, well, you did watch it, obviously. Yeah, yeah. He had a chance. He oh, was yeah. missing a lot. He missed a number of short he birdie two putts. Two short putts late. And then a short bogey that yep. he missed, or short par putt, excuse me, that led to bogey. Otherwise, because he hit the ball better than yeah, he, he was nuts. He won and won so that. the stats did prove true on Wolf. Champ, they weren't. But I mean, hey, you know, he's as young as he is. I mean, don't get me wrong. Fuck, I think he's older than Wolf. But he's 
uh, you know, and this is his first time experiencing that kind of situation. It's only an hour away from his grandfather lived and his grandfather passed away in the last year. There was a lot going on there. I, I would have been stunned if Cameron Champ won. Bomber. Uh, absolute bomber. But um, with regard to DJ, what I'll say is this. His putting stats were he was a way above his, you know, he's over his skis, right. so to speak. And that's when you bet against somebody because that just it's rare that it can continue. Now, DeChambeau was able to do it in Detroit. Um, when people go, yeah, he's a bomber. That's why he won. Well, actually, he was, you know, strokes gained putting. He was number one. Mount Morikawa is like strokes gained tee to green, strokes gained putting. You know, I mean, he had everything. You're going to win. But when Morikawa hit what was like a 30-foot par putt to save par on one, yeah, it was just me and my wife. My uh, son was with my uh, in-laws that afternoon, so we were able to just relax and watch it. Uh, I said, that's it. He's going to win. I should go live bet it now, but there wasn't that much value on him. Once you do that, what that does, and I would actually suggest, and of course it's a great thesis because we can never prove it, uh, that had he missed that putt, he doesn't win the tournament. As dumb as that sounds, that's how mental it can be. And so if you want to apply that to Dustin Johnson having problems with his putter, that gets in his head, and maybe Kepka's shit got in his head, but I think that's what Kepka was trying to do. So I don't take it how Cal and maybe others took it. Um, Rory McIlroy came to Dustin Johnson's defense. I took it as a meta thing, but maybe McIlroy came to his defense because McIlroy hasn't won a major since 2014. See, I liked Rory coming to his defense too. I thought well, that yeah, was and cool. it's, it's entertaining, but yeah. see, I'm, I'm looking at it as like, is it strategic? Right. Like when I would have people say shit about me and this goes back years in the newspaper, like Dan Marshall would like try to bait me. And I'd just be like, Oh, we're focused on our work at 920. We wish him the best at 590. And I knew it just drove him up the wall that I wouldn't engage. Oh, you yeah. Know? I love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you do it. You <laughs> yeah. actually do act. Now that I'm uh, thinking, I'm sitting across from somebody who kind of met us. And it's like, yeah. And I'm like, because I know you're a joke. So who <laughs> fucking cares what you say? And I know the audience knows it, too. So who cares? You know? And if it's and that's the nice thing about most of these people who've said shit. It's like, yeah. I mean, if you really want to take that person's word over mine... I can't win you over anyway because you clearly are naive enough to believe this shit. So fine, feel feel free. I've been in the market for 20 years. You know, I think things have gone pretty well. If you think that this person who's had all of these issues is telling the truth and I'm not, feel free. I can't do anything about it. So I think it was meta. I think, I think, because I watched his interview on Faraday. Did you watch that? Kepka's on Faraday? Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, he gets there. He it, certainly he isn't like bubbly. You know, when he's on PMT, he's pretty funny. Yeah, I just think I don't. I don't know. I think he's. I think. I think this is a. I think it's meta. <laughs> I really do, because there are golfers you know, you can get in their heads. Well, I think he's shocked he played so poorly on Sunday too. That was stunning. Yeah, that was that was the biggest surprise to me of the whole thing. Uh, was how poor, uh, stunned me. My God, what did he shoot? Seventy four. Something like yeah, I think so. And then. Friday when he and I bet it stretched, him too. stretched out on the course, I was really worried about him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, stunned me. All right, we uh, let's see. What I'm going to tell people? I'm going to tell people about Mark Hanna Evergreen Wealth Strategies. He's online at evergreenstl.com. I get fired up about talking about Mark Hanna because he really is truly a great human being. I will tell you this: if and when whatever comes to conclusion, I guess it comes to a conclusion no matter what uh, at the end of 2021 when my contract's up. But um, whatever happens with the station. Uh, buying or not buying it. Uh, Mark Hanna has actually been, I don't want to say active, I shouldn't say that, but um, he has been helpful, for lack of a better term. He's just really a good person. He's the kind of person, I, I say it so often, 
Brian Kelly's really a good person. James Carlton's really a good person. Mark Milton's really a good person. Uh, Jim Rogers, Matt Ford, Stratum Structural Systems, Jim Rogers Restoration. One Seth Goldcamp's great person. We have gotten into business. The Bradleys, what they did for one of our listeners when uh, they lost their daughter with a refrigerator, John and Denise Bradley Appliance Discounters. Uh, the Landoffs. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't like doing this because then it's like, I, <laughs> I forget one and then it's like, Oh shit. It was, you know, but, but I'm saying it as a, as it's important, you know, and I don't want to represent that everybody I've ever done a live read for is somebody I'd be like, Oh yes, I would you know vote for them or something like that. But, um, it, you know, when it comes to a financial advisor, it is important the three and Mark Hanna is just a really good person and he's a sharp person. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, major recommendation for him. And I just mentioned Seth Goldcamp. And uh, he is online at designairservice.com. And just last week, they installed a new train system in our home. And uh, I love it. My wife loves it. Uh, I think even more. Can control everything from your phone. I'm sure there's plenty of systems you can do that now. Um, but the quality is the thing that I notice. God, it's nice. I'm sleeping so well. I don't want to jinx it. I feel like I just jinxed it. But it's a 16-seer air conditioner. Qualifies for $500 Ameren rebate. Uh, variable speed furnace, which removes more humidity and balances out temperature differences so your home is more comfortable. With very attractive financing terms, 0% APR for 48 months. Uh, it's Design Air Heating and Cooling. DesignAirService.com. Seth Goldcamp, best in the business. Uh, huge fan. All right, a couple more, and then I, I just always want to get Gangster Pete out of here. Okay, uh, Tim, what makes you so great? Thanks. Have a good day. Uh, it comes from the Big Lemming, Jake Knott from Kirkwood. We don't have enough time. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think we maybe will do like a five-part Swopes picks on what makes me so great. Thank you for the question, uh, Jake. Uh, here's another one. Uh, hey, Tim, question for today's show, trying to get near the top of the inbox uh, that I'm interested. Yeah, this, is, this was sent in at 825 today, so I guess I won't go into the ones that were sent before. Uh, question for today's show, trying to get near the top of the inbox that I'm interested in hearing if you and Pete share an opinion. The MLS for the Lou initiative is finally set to reveal the team name and colors on Thursday. As we're over a year into this process and the team start and MLS has been delayed by at least one year, are you still excited about it? Do you think this is the major win for the city region as it was made out to be upon award of the expansion team? Do you think the Battlehawks popularity showed a second tier league can succeed in our region? Or is that more about football? Uh, excuse me, and tailgating than true grassroots support. If you're not excited, you expect your excitement to increase in the buildup to the team's games in 2023. Thanks. That comes from Gerald. All right, here's what I want to start with. Have you heard what the name is? I have not. I, I want it to be the dogs. I, I would love <laughs> it to be the dogs. I have been told by somebody who's been right on this stuff. Oh, wow. What the name, and it, it told me like a month ago. Can you say? I will not say. Okay. I will not say. But I will tell you if he was right. And here's what I, here's the only thing I will say. This is all about teases. People want to know what this email <laughs> was that, that got Pete, whatever, uh, essentially led to inside STL paying part of Pete's salary for 18 months, not 18 <laughs> months, like a year. Uh, great. Um, they want to know that. And they want to know this understandably, by the way, I can't, I won't, I mean, could I? Yeah. I don't know that I'm right. It's right. not me. It's a guy, but this guy has been right about everything on this stuff. Is he a guy that's like, he is. Okay. Yes. And he's been right in a big way. Um, here is what I would say about this. If he is right, the name is going to 
cause controversy. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not the dogs. <laughs> well, that certainly would. Now, the TMA audience would be in heaven. But woof, if woof. he is right, like when he was telling me this, I said, that's not going <laughs> to. I hope it's not the confluence. <laughs> so now at least I think it's going to. Now, maybe I'm wrong. But and, and, ki- and I kind of I don't know. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this in as well. Another log on the fire and then I'm done. With what I'm seeing on Twitter, it makes me think more that he's right than I did initially. So, we will see. That's disappointing. Well, I don't know. You might love it. <laughs> I I, you it. might love it. I don't know. You might love it. But I'm, I'm going to be kind of disappointed no matter what it is. because I, I You really, want the dogs. I, I mean, it's such a perfect name, and it, there's so <laughs> many would, marketing I opportunities. Like, God, can you imagine the people who take it really seriously? <laughs> yes. I get, listen, I mean, I understand. I don't want to mock it. I get upset about the Cardinals wearing red hats on the road in Missouri's shitty uniforms. Uh, so I can't make fun of that. But I would love the dogs as well, so I'm in your camp. So I... I, and here's the thing. I don't know. I haven't even, because I'm, I, I don't want to break it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, so I'm not even like contacting the people I could contact to get a confirmation because I'm not going to, cause it's, cause there's, I don't want to, you know, we're two days away from it. I guess you can put this up this afternoon. So it's, as we're talking, it's August 11th. It's going to go out on August 13th. It's ready to go now. Yeah. I mean, it, it, so they know, obviously I just, and, and by the way, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it won't be controversial. You know, I, th- I think, I think it's intended to not be, and I think it would be if it is what I think, but it would make sense. <laughs> That's all tease. I'm saying. Yeah. And I, I, you know me, Gangster Pete, I will absolutely tell you. I'm oh, not yeah. going to tell you though, when we get done with this. All right. Well, that's just my. I know, <laughs> but, but but that way I can make sure. The only way I can make sure it doesn't go anywhere is by not saying anything. And it's not like yes, I was right. I don't fucking care. I'm anxious to see if this guy was right, and then I'm also, if he is right, I'm anxious to see what the reaction is. But I'm just saying that now I'm seeing what's going on. And I'm going, oh man. I initially thought there's no way he's right, and who gives a shit? Do you know the colors too? Well, I think the colors are kind of obvious. Yeah. Okay. But. But I don't know the colors. I, the, the colors, I have as much information as you. Because I didn't go, oh, that's interesting. Can you tell me what the kits are going to look like? <laughs> um, but I like a good kit. Yeah, it looks good on the pitch. Yeah, I do. So, yes. So you can email me all day, and I, I'm not going to say anything. Just because part of the, the, the getting over, so to speak, is the announcement. And I can tell this they've kept it very secret. Nobody spoiled it. I don't want to be the guy to spoil it. So I'm not going to. What about the excitement part? Are you excited for the team? Yeah, so that's why I'm glad you redirected very nicely, Counselor. Um, yeah, I, I think overall at this moment, this is a macro point. Like, for example, Pete, the Blues play a playoff game tomorrow night at 9.30. Right. <laughs> Great time. Which has been the case for almost all of their playoff games anytime they're playing somebody who's in the Pacific time zone. But even when they would have those series against the Blackhawks and Wild in the central time zone, they would be the late game. They just wouldn't be 9.30s. Right. And I think even against the Sharks, I think there was a 9.30 or two in there. Yeah. So, I, but I think two of the, I think there was one 9.30 because two of them were, I think, afternoon games against the Sharks. And then one of them was a night game, a super night game, like late night. It's the nature of the beast. But here, here's what I'm saying is this. 
I'm not going to stay up. And I'm not even, it's not even on my mind to stay up. It doesn't even cross <laughs> my mind to stay up. I could not even begin to tell you how certain I am that at like 10:20 after the first period, assuming that's when the first period's over or 10, 10, I guess I'll just be like, all right, I'll catch you tomorrow morning. And then I'll like be like, Oh, I'll remind myself. Yeah. I get to watch the second and third period of the blues and Canucks game one. That's where I am. The reason I say that is when they were playing the jets in the first round last year and they were late night games or the stars or obviously once you get to the conference finals, I mean, I didn't give, I'm just like, Oh fuck, I'm going to be tired, but whatever. I'm so in, I'm not in, I'm not there right now. I, I have not the Cardinal thing. People I, like it kind of, there was a return to normalcy bitching about, I don't even know what it was. I guess Dylan Carlson, you know, and then it went back. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just not there. It's just not where I am. I'm not there. And I'm not saying those of you who are there, uh, you shouldn't be there at all. If anything, I am jealous of you. It's like people who are religious. I'm jealous. I mean, God, what a great way to go through life thinking that, you know, well, I'm, they're dead, but I'll see them soon. You know, that's great. I'm jealous. If anything, I'd be, I, I want to be in a spot where I'm worried, you know, about the blues and Canucks or about whether Dylan Carlson gets called up and I can yell about the Cardinals mismanagement. It's just not where my head is at this particular moment in history. Um, so I can't get that worked up for whatever reason, though. I will say this. I am when I'm watching golf, I am engaged. Oh yeah. Golf's been awesome. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know on that. And I don't know if it's cause I love golf, but I mean, blues playoff hockey. That's one of my funnest sport as a sports fan ever. And it's, it's barely a year old, but it just didn't the same. I can't do anything about it. It isn't the same for me. It isn't the same. And I don't know. And in a way, if they do get and have a chance to get to the Stanley cup final, I think, I think it'll be even more, you'll be excited about it, but be like, God, this is just so different than what it was. And then you'll have, then they'll like have an argument amongst the fan base. Who's like trying to tell themselves that it is the same, or maybe they do feel like it is the same as what it was like watching a game, the Boston garden or TD garden, where the hell it is, as opposed to the thing where I don't even know where they'll play Toronto or Edmonton. I don't know what they'll do. I mean, they might as well stay in one spot. Yeah, there's no way it's going to be the same. As so yeah, so last I just, I'm just not there. So so to tie it into the question from Gerald, I'm just not there. But it's not. But it's it's got nothing to do with soccer. It's got more to do with the state of the world. Uh, I've never thought it was this major win for the city or region because whoever had the biggest checkbook and the the, the juice uh, was going to get an expansion team in the MLS. That's how I, th- I thought there was this kind of like oh, we got to really rally to support and we'll do these big things and then that's going to get it done. I'm like, we're getting a team and I already know we're getting a team and I, I guess I'll play along with it, you know, even though I've seen things that make me know that we're getting a team and I'll just be, you know, I don't want to ruin it for people. But it wasn't like this civic victory that, uh, but I even feel like an asshole saying it now. Sure some <laughs> people are like, well, hold on a second. You're telling me there's no Santa Claus? I don't tell you. I don't know what else to say. I guess, I guess, I guess I can't say I know, but I absolutely can say I was aware of things that would, that were going on that wouldn't have been going on if the opinion was they were not getting a team. We put it that way. Um, this is, this is a big cryptic podcast today. This is unintentional <laughs> cryptic podcasting, but who cares? I mean, you know, you have the Taylor family, the Taylor family's got clout. You want that St. Louis used to be in a spot. My dad, I've talked about this. I don't know who I talked about this with was in a spot back in the day where it didn't get fucked with because there were a group of guys who ran businesses that, you know, I'm talking 60s, 70s, 80s here 
that would be like, yeah, you're not fucking with us. You're going to take care of St. Louis. And so good. Now the Taylors are doing that. So, you know, the Taylors made things happen. That doesn't, we saw what happened before when the Taylors weren't involved. So, uh, you know, God bless. So what happened? I mean, all of a sudden St. Louis went from being a city that could get an expansion team to not, uh, or to, to being a city, you know, that couldn't get an expansion team to getting one. And, but the, the only difference was the Taylors were involved. Yeah. I mean, you know, so anyway, whatever. So yeah, I, I and, and I don't, I don't view the MLS on the same level as the battle Hawks. I view the MLS on a much better level than the battle Hawks. And I, and I sit in awe of the battle Hawks success. Uh, and that's not, so it's not a shot at that. I just think the MLS is, don't you? I mean, isn't the MLS better than the XFL? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I don't, um, if I'm not excited, I expect my excitement to increase in the buildup to the team's games in 2023. Yes. Assuming that 2023 is like 2019, uh, or 2015, uh, you know, and not 2020. I mean, if this is still going on, you know, who knows what the world's like then? So yeah, it's, it's, I'm excited, but my excitement for sports as a whole is just so, you know, like if the SEC does indeed stick to this thing and try to play football and everybody else, I'll just be like, okay, I mean, I've just never thought it. So I want want it bad. Do you really? I've just never thought it was going to happen. We've talked about this like every podcast we've recorded since the start. It's like Nick Bolton said, we just want a ball, man. (laughs) I was like, that's great. You know, I, I... but I just don't, I just don't, I just don't see it. So anyway, a gangster Pete, uh, your answers to the wonderful questions of Gerald. Uh, I think that we got a team is cool. And I think that if it's good for the city, I hope, I mean, I want it to be, I hope it's successful. I'm not a huge MLS fan. I don't think I've ever watched like 10 minutes of an MLS game, but, uh, see, I think it's going to be, I don't want to call it a scene. Cause then you think of like, you know, like parties in the park, no, but I think it will kind of be a scene. I like, think it I'm, will be like a I'm, fun thing to go to and you won't really some a lot of people go and couldn't care any less about what's going on. Yeah, like my my old man already said he's getting tickets. So oh, yeah. I'm sure I'll get to go to a few games and I'm excited to check it out. I bet my out. son will I mean by then my son'll be 5 and I bet he'll love it. Oh yeah. You know and that'll be a great thing. Yeah, the I kid, mean that's what you care the kid, about. The kids right? love At this the point soccer. in my life that's what I care about. Yeah. So I mean I, you know and, and then for younger people who are in their teens or 20s it's a scene in the sense that it's energetic. It's young. You want to? I wouldn't think you'll have the thing that you had at the dome or Bush Stadium, where people are yelling at you to sit down. Those people won't be there. <laughs> you know, it'll be yep. young and energetic, which I think is a great thing. So, in that sense, I'm excited. As far as like watching an MLS game, I, you know, it's just not. I don't know if I've ever really been all that excited about it, but the atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. And then once you have your own team, I think I'll get more into it. As far as the blues, I'll I'll be exhausted on Thursday morning. So you'll be up and you'll be locked in. Yeah, really, I, that's interesting. I think because uh, because you, you wouldn't say it. Like I feel like if I had the cat or dog in here, I feel like they'd feel like they'd have to say that. You no, don't no. have to say it at all. So that's no. interesting. Like I haven't given a shit about the first three games. Like I don't think they mattered at all. So now I'm excited to see them actually play. I think I think they're gonna ratchet it up and not your. See, team. I don't know if they would have played better. And I did watch those games, but they weren't late night games. Um, if they would have played better. If I'd have more excitement, maybe, because uh, I I certainly am of the opinion that this is not going to go well, but I'm not really all that upset about it. Yeah, so maybe if they come out and they look like the team that we watched up until mid-March this year or the team that made the run last year, maybe I'll be like, all right, this is great. I can't wait to watch because, all right, they're going to get past Vancouver and that means they're going to be playing, you know, one of these teams that essentially were in the round robin and we're going to have some good shit going here. Uh, that, that, that could possibly change it. 
And if, listen, man, if it were at seven o'clock, I'd be watching it all day long. Yeah. But the 930, I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm not I just feel like they weren't into those first few games. Like they weren't throwing their bodies around or anything. And I think that's all going to change when the cup's on the line. Yeah, I'm, anx- I'm anxious to see it. And if it doesn't, I will be really disappointed. I, uh, I remember, but this is you. This is not, and I'm not mocking Doug or the cat for, because I get why they kind of have to do the dance, so to speak. But I remember in 2009, it's super obscure. We've already talked about the 2009 <laughs> British Open. Why right. not talk about the 2009 National League Central? But in 2009... I love talking about this old shit. Okay. The 2009 Cardinals, for my money, is one of the best Cardinal teams I've seen in my life. Yep. But they were swept out of the playoffs. Now, part of it was because Matt Holliday dropped a fly ball that otherwise would have evened the series. But whatever. The people go, see, you said they were one of the best teams. They got swept. You were wrong, fucking idiot. Uh, I mean, I literally had, Pete. If you think some of the stuff you see on the fan page is weird or uncomfortable now the <laughs> moment the moment i think rick i think rick ankiel made the last out of the 2009 nlds against the dodgers the moment he made i'm talking about within a second of him making the last out in the 2009 nlds a guy i had to be emails he wouldn't have my phone number email being said do you still think that they're one of the best Cardinal teams ever now? I mean, that, like that you're sitting there and you're thinking about me while you're watching. I mean, but yeah, I the, love that. You're all up in that guy's kitchen. And I think that's yeah, great. It's just, it's a, like, it's like, but I mean, but I also kind of knew some things about the guy, like off the field uh, stuff, yeah, so to speak. So it's I not as can like, kind of change it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like with the law. Yeah. Uh, so it's creepy, but uh, the 2009 Cardinals, were incredible. Wainwright and Carpenter finished in the top three in Cy Young. You had Pujols. You had Ryan Ludwig was raking. Oh, you yeah. traded for Holiday. Uh, Mark DeRosa yep. was hitting, although he got hurt toward the end. And who else am I leaving out of that team that was on that team? But anyway, it were, they had the offense. They had uh, the pitching. The question mark was Ryan Franklin, actually, his closer. But the point in bringing this up is they were great up until, like, the first week of September. I think, actually— not coincidentally, it just happened to be September 11th, they began a spiral and they never stopped. And it actually got a little uncomfortable at the end because they were losing so many games. <laughs> yeah. And the talking point was amongst St. Louis media who does television uh, is, well, they'll flip the switch when it matters. And I just remember going, I don't think that's the way it works, but Especially I hope I'm in baseball. And I'm like, okay. And then they got swept. Now again, if Matt Holiday doesn't drop that fly ball, they win game two and the whole world changes because you have two games at Bush Stadium now because that happened at Dodger Stadium. The first two were Dodger Stadium. So I think about that because I'm I'm hearing about switching fl- flips and flip switching again. Right. But they, this not is the from first, you. Right, but what I'm saying, I just want to clarify, this is like the first three games they've played in months, you know, so it's not like it's been going on for a long time. Like they're just easing back into it is the way but I there, it. But there was a game against the Blackhawks, and I recognize an exhibition game, and I recognize teams weren't playing everybody, and they do want to stay healthy. And I do get that, because in the whole scheme of things with the NHL, you see eight seeds go to the Stanley Cup final, and hell, with the 12, yeah. 12 Kings that win it. So it can happen. And it's different than, like, the NBA, where when do you see an eight seed? I mean, you can still talk about the Nuggets in, like, the 90s beating Sean Kemp and the number one Sonics because it, it was so rare, whereas it happens all the time in the NHL. Like, if the if VGK gets beaten, it'd go, well, fuck, just like the Lightning last year getting swept by CBJ. Uh, a lot of initials. So, <laughs> with that said, if the Blues get it back together and they beat the Canucks in five and they look like that team we saw up until March and, and really for the last, at that point, 14 months, even if it's a 9-30 game, I think I will be re-energized, but it's also the second round. Right. But listen, it's not the case of me not watching it. It's a case of me 
going, I got to get up at five. Now that I have this whoop, you wear a whoop, bro? No. You, you, do you even whoop, bro? No, man. I know if I sleep or not. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, which with like, I'm like, oh my God, I've been going to bed at like 11 for years. And, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why I don't feel good. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to go to bed, but I'll watch it. I'll look forward to getting up, having my coffee, because I usually don't have anything to watch in the morning, and watching the Blues and Canucks. And I will try to avoid looking at my phone to see what happened, which probably won't work out, but that's what I will try <laughs> to do. And I will try to watch it like it's live. And I'll be excited, and, I'll be, and, I'll, and then I'm going to come in either on a high or on a low to do the show right. on Thursday morning. Um, and I'll be fucking psyched to watch it on Friday. For the, uh, what is it, 5.30 start local time. Yeah, I'll probably so. play some golf that afternoon. At least I plan on it. Uh, it's member guest weekend at Westboro, and I'm not in it. 60 people are on the waiting list. How about really? that? Really? 60 people. 60 all. You could have a totally second weekend and then have, like, a tournament of the, you could have monster money. That's like the Mule Skinner at Columbia Country Club. Like it's well, hard, there's a it's million a, people? It's hard to get in, yeah. Uh, which I really, now that I just said that, maybe I'll send that to them. So, anyway, I can't play at Westboro, but uh, I'll play somewhere on Friday and come home. And have some pizza, Friday night's pizza night, and watch the Blues and Canucks and just be the happiest son of a bitch. Nice little Friday. Nice little Friday. By the way, when you're 43 and you have a two-year-old, that's like the mountaintop. <laughs> well, that sounds good to Decade me. Decade ago. No kidding. Looking for an MFF and, and doing my best. Now it's like pizza, Blues game, maybe a taste at 530, and it, it'll be the greatest thing ever. So here... Uh, that's that. I think that factors in it. But we're a seven o'clock start. But also, I'm I'm a little concerned. But you know, you do have to take a step back and go. You know, when they lost to the Avalanche, it's not like they played horribly. It took what was an, I mean a mathematical phenomenon for them to not get a point in that game. Yeah, you know, and they gave up, and they were leading in all three in games third. going into the third period. And I saw, and they Col- didn't play well. I saw Colton Pareko play a bad game, like a noticeably bad yeah. game. Like I've never seen that before. I don't, I don't think that's yeah, going to keep so happening. Yeah. and they weren't dressing everybody. I mean, Allen's in there on Sunday against the Star. It's just, you know, it's it's a different deal, you know. And and you know, I mean, it is the first time Tarasenko's had game action, and what since fuck for real, like since almost last October. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. I don't know. Bottom line is this. I'm just not that into sports at this moment, but maybe it'll all change. Either way, uh, questions from the audience is in the books. Uh, thank you to Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert, homeloanexpert.com, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Seth Goldcamp, Design Air, Heating and Cooling, James Carlton of Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, and Jim Rogers of Restoration One of Central St. Louis. Uh, online at restoration1 of com For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. You can email anytime your questions. Opinions, just like the one guy popping off, whatever. It's a free for all. Team McKernan at insidestl.com. I'm still soliciting erotic stories. We've only gotten like three, despite all my asks. Maybe Come on, there's aren't a lot. Come on Deebs. Hey, you think, <laughs> do you think Deebs has some good ones? He might. That's all I'm looking for. Just tell me. Because I mean, I'm living vicariously through our 20 <laughs> something listeners who are out, well, I guess not right now, but maybe it was like in the last year. You're like, yeah, man, there are these two, and we did this. I'm like, yeah, I want to hear about it. That's how creepy I am. And then I'll go back into talking about politics or whatever. But uh, Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. All right. Uh, for Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studio. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. 
New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.